Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in. You may have noticed we missed an episode this week. Uh, We are now at episode number 330, and I am so excited that we have gone this far and that this journey of interviewing really cool CEOs, business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and really anyone who has an entrepreneurial spirit. I'm really glad that this concept has taken off. As you may know, Inc.com in an article earlier this year or the end of December of last year put out a list of eight podcasts for entrepreneurs to listen to in 2018, and I'm thrilled that Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do has made that list. So thank you for tuning in. If this is the first time you've ever listened to a show, I hope you will go back to the archives and listen to more. If you've listened to a whole bunch of these shows, I hope you continue to tune in and hear what we have to say, the really cool people who we interview, and the great advice on how to go out and carve your own path in the world and be successful. Because let's face it, That's what it's all about. Whether you want to work for a company or whether you want to start your own company, uh, finding your way to really reach your potential is what I am here to help with. And that's why I try very hard to interview some amazing people. And I'm really proud of the recent episodes that we've had. So go back and listen to the most recent ones and then tune in coming forward because we've got some more cool people who are going to be guests here on the show. Hey, before I get started today, I want to make a really quick ask. I don't ask for a lot. It doesn't cost you anything to subscribe to this podcast. Uh, Occasionally, I do talk about uh, my speaking career, and if your company has a sales meeting or some other type of annual gathering, yeah, I'd love it if you would take a look at what I have to offer. And you can always go to TomSinger.com and find out about my speaking, how I can work as a master of ceremony, and the different things that I do. I do talk a little bit about my coaching group, The Potential Mastermind, uh, for those of you who are trying to get a little bit of support as you're trying to reach your potential. But today, I'm going to make a real ask. I'm going to ask you to just take a couple of minutes and donate to a great cause. Every February, my family hosts a fundraiser for the Dell Children's Medical Center uh, in Austin, Texas, and we have a fund set up called the Kate Singer Endowment for Cranial Facial Surgery and Research. And you may not know this. I've talked about it before on the show. I actually have a story about it in one of my keynotes. But my daughter, Kate, who turned 16 just the other day, uh, she was born with a condition where the bones in her skull had fused together. It was what they call a cranial facial abnormality. And as it turns out, it's it, what she had was maybe one in 10,000 births. So it's not that rare. It's not particularly common. But one in about 3,000 kids are born with some sort of cranial facial abnormality. Now, some of them are minor. Some of them are way more serious, like Kate had. She had to have her entire skull, somewhat, well, the top of it, not the entire skull, but about half of the top of her head removed when she was six months old. And then it was sort of left to grow back. And and I will tell you, that was a really scary time, because what if the bones over her brain didn't grow back, right? I mean, it it was not a time in our life we look back too fondly on. It was very scary for my wife and myself. Kate, of course, has no memory of it, and the bones did grow back, and and she's doing great. She's a straight-A student. As some of you know, she recently gave a TEDx talk. You can find that on the TEDx uh, YouTube channel, Uh, or if you go to TomSinger.com slash Kate Singer, 
Uh, I'm going to have a link to her TED Talk there so you can find it. But she recently did that. She's a really impressive kid. I'm very proud of her. But uh, it started out really scary. If we had done nothing, her skull would have had a very serious deformity. There may have been some brain damage. There were some things that weren't really good with what Kate went through, and, and we were really fortunate. But at the time Kate was born... We didn't have state-of-the-art doctors and state-of-the-art medical facilities in the city that we lived in here in Austin, Texas. There was no Dell Children's Medical Center at that time, and so we had to look out around the country to find, try and find the best solution. And we ended up with some amazing doctors at San Diego Rady Children's Hospital, and uh, Kate was operated on and followed up on for about 12 years. She had to go back and visit her surgeon, her plastic surgeon and her neurosurgeon, to make sure that both uh, her skull, both in the way it was shaped and, and how it was encasing her brain, wasn't causing any problems. Uh, and it didn't. She's a smart kid and she's sweet and you never know that she had this type of a problem. But what we decided to do, gosh, I think it was 12 years ago, was we decided to do something to give back because we knew we were really fortunate. So we started the Kate Singer Endowment for Cranial Facial Surgery and Research. And we have funds both at San Diego Children's Hospital, the Rady Children's Medical Center in San Diego, and at the Dell Children's uh, Medical Center here in Austin, Texas, where we live. And I've got a link set up to the Austin uh, uh, giving page for Dell Children's Hospital. If you go to katesfundraiser.com, that's K-A-T-S Fundraiser. Dot com. It links you to their giving page, and then they have a little drop-down menu. You can fill out the amount that you want to give, and whether it's $5, $10, $100, $500, uh, it goes to a great cause. It goes to the doctors who do research for kids born with craniofacial abnormalities and issues, and that can be issues with the bone, the way the skull is shaped. It also has to do with uh, soft tissue issues such as cleft and things like that. So the doctors do really amazing work, and uh, if you go there, there's a drop-down menu, and it has all different things that you can donate to. One of those choices is the Kate Singer Endowment. If you click that box and donate any amount, it really does make a difference. And so I'm going to make a really big ask that if you're listening to this show and if this story touches you in any way, doesn't do anything for us. We don't get the money. We don't see the money. Kate has not had any uh, problems or needed any other medical attention since she was a year old. Uh, but uh, it is an important cause. And oftentimes craniofacial issues uh, are not the things that you see major fundraisers for. So uh, we call it compounded generosity. A lot of people doing little things compounds and adds up. And this little thing that my family got behind now 12 years ago, I think it's over about 70 or $80,000 between the two two hospitals that we have donated out of our own pocket and then that people have participated in when we do this fundraiser. And some of my clients will write checks when they hear the story. And, and the compounding of everybody's efforts over more than a decade has really grown into money that really can help the doctors who do research for a cause like this. So go to Kate katesfundraiser.com and make a donation today. If for some reason that link doesn't work for you, you can just go to the Dell Children's Medical Center support page, uh, click on give, and again, you'll get to that same page with the drop-down menu. And any amount you give would be great. And if you do it, send me an email or a tweet at coolpodcast, at Tom Singer, either one of those, and just let me know that you gave a little bit. And again, if it's $5, that's awesome because it compounds with everybody else. So today's show, let's get it started. You know, I just got back from a vacation. My wife and I took a trip with another couple. We went to Costa Rica, and I had a lot of time in the mornings because my wife sleeps a little later than I do. 
Uh, the other gentleman who was on the trip was a scuba diver, so he would go scuba diving in the morning. I would have a lot of time to sit and think uh, about my business. And every morning I sort of worked on my journal and I worked on things to really get me focused for this year. Uh, I've got a lot of stuff happening uh, coming up in the next few months and I'm really excited about it. But I really kind of got a lot clear, a lot clear about what I'm trying to do with this whole paradox of potential thing that I'm working on with my clients and, and the topic that I'm working on. And it all stems out of something that I went through a couple of years ago. I really felt that I had done well with my career, both when I was in corporate America and then the speaking business that I've built over the last couple of years. But in both cases, I, I sort of felt like I got to a point where I was, where I was stuck. I sort of got stuck in the high middle. Do you understand what I'm talking about when I say the high middle? It means like if you looked at my career from the outside, you'd say, wow, he's doing great. Look at how high he's gone up the corporate ladder. But I never reached the top, top levels. I was, I was above that midpoint. So people were like, ooh, look at what he's doing. But the other side was I was still kind of stuck in the middle. I, I didn't have the clarity. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had the potential to be doing more than I was doing. And over the last couple of years, as I've talked to people who are in the coaching group that I run, the Potential Mastermind Project, or people who I worked with their sales teams, or people I just met on an airplane, had a conversation about life and career, and I would talk to people, this whole concept of, of having more potential than you're living up to, this whole idea of feeling stuck in the high middle, it really resonated with people. And, and that's where this whole new uh, set of stuff that I've been working on has really come out of. That's where this whole paradox of potential stuff comes from. And yet the middle is not a great place to be. And it's certainly not a great place to be stuck. I mean, obviously we have to go through the middle, but if we get stuck there, we can become vulnerable. I think if we look back 50 years or more in corporate America, you know, Middlemen were really important. The people in the middle really controlled a lot of things. But with the advent of technology and the internet and companies being able to so easily go direct, the middle is no longer a safe place to be. If you're in the middle, if you're a, if you're a middle person or a middleman, if you will, you become very vulnerable because your jobs could be going away. So if you're stuck in the middle, today is the time that you start paying attention to sort of what you need to change and where you need to go. So in 2017, Gallup did a survey that showed that 40%, 43% of workers are working remotely. Now, I love the idea of working from home. And if you work for a company and they allow you to work from home, that's great. But the problem is if you work for somebody else and you're not having any FaceTime, all of a sudden surveys are starting to show maybe it's not as effective as people were hoping it would be. Some companies like IBM and others are calling their remote workers back into the office. But I also think if you're working remotely, if you're out of touch, if you're out of sight, I think that you become more vulnerable. So if you're in the middle and you're working remotely and nobody sees who you are, you know, you're not necessarily going to be as secure as you can be. So I think that what you have to do, no matter what your situation is, and you're feeling that you're maybe vulnerable in your career, suddenly the time has come that you have to embrace leadership. Now, sometimes if you manage a team, you have to lead the people, but sometimes you just have to lead yourself. I had coffee with a good friend the other day, and, and she's in the PR world, and she does like really high, and she's a total thought leader in public relations for large companies. But I told her, as she's in sort of a transition period, I said, one of the things you have to do is you have to become your own PR person. You have to lead the PR effort for your own career. And I thought about it after I left her, and I thought, you know, that's true for all of us. We all have to become our own leaders of what we're trying to accomplish because 
no one's going to do it for us. We have to do it or we're going to get absolutely stuck in that middle forever. And as I said, that is a place to be uh, vulnerable if you're stuck in that middle. So what does it mean to be a leader? Well, I jotted down a few notes and I don't know that this is always going to be clear, but I'm just going to go through what I wrote down here. And that is to be a leader, you have to be followed by other people. You have to be uh, the person that other people want to, to look to as someone to lead them. You can't be a leader. Even if you're leading yourself, you have to choose that you're the person you want to follow. Because leaders, leaders are there to facilitate change. And if you're not making changes, then you're not leading. You're not leading yourself. You're not leading anybody else. And leaders, leaders collaborate. I don't think that you can be successful alone in a field. I think you need to have other people, even if it's just someone to go to breakfast with and say, here are the changes I'm trying to make in my career. You know, how can we help each other? What ideas do you have? I think that you, if you try to do it all yourself, this whole idea of the Lone Ranger being the person who's successful, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. You know, come on, you, you don't do these things alone. So are you looking to collaborate with other people? Another thing about leaders is they can't just crunch numbers. Middle people can crunch numbers. Middle people are very concerned with what it looks like on paper. I'm always frustrated with people who are very good at showing statistics, but never results. Leaders, leaders, yeah, they want to know the stats. They want to know the numbers, but they don't think that numbers trump everything. Leaders have vision. And they know that for vision to mean anything, there has to be some results that are attached to it. So if you're so caught up in just crunching the numbers, I think that your career is going to have some problems. But vision itself doesn't mean anything if it's not leading to those results. Vision means that the person who's the visionary has to be learning and observing and trying new things because unique matters in today's world. You know, unique really is something that when you can see, hmm, that's different. How can I take that, change it within the world of my company, and release it as something new? That's where magic happens that changes the whole world. I'm always reminded of the fact that Steve Jobs in 1979 visited Xerox Park. Now, this was Xerox sort of research center. And while he was there, and of course, Apple Computer was just a small infant of a company back in those days. While he was there, he saw something that had been invented at Xerox Park. And that was sort of a graphic, um, oh gosh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, a graphic interface, right? And it later became what would we would know as both uh, the way Apple computers operated with the uh, uh, graphic uh, the graphic interface and what became Windows. But the fact is, is that Steve Jobs saw this. Xerox was doing nothing with it. He took the idea home, got with his own engineers, and suddenly the computer world was changed. He saw something that was different, took it in, internalized it, and then developed it in his own way. That's what leaders do. They don't just wait for someone else to do it. They don't see something and think, hmm, they're on the right track. They see something and they say, how can I make it better? They have to be a visionary, but then they have to try new things. And leaders don't wait around. Leaders can't wait around. They're, they're always in a hustle, but you got to be hustling in the right direction. If you're doing a lot of work and you're just spinning your wheels and going after the wrong thing, you're not really being a leader. In our world today, so many people try to prove they're worth something by showing how busy they are. Oh my gosh, I work 70 hours a week. Well, does that mean that you're good or does that mean that you suck and you can't get stuff done? So, you know, 
hustle in the wrong direction or busy for no purpose really doesn't mean anything. And I think people around us are starting to realize that people who brag on how busy they are aren't necessarily the true leaders because leaders are always testing assumptions. Leaders don't believe that busy is the right answer. They aren't looking at their people saying, who's the busiest? They're saying, who's having the results? And are the results they have really the results that we want? Because leaders can't play small. Leaders need to play big. They want to lead. They want to grow. They want to be doing things. And then I think leaders recognize patterns. I think if you're really paying attention, if you're an observer, let's face it, success leaves clues. Pay attention to those clues. If you want to lead a team or you want to lead yourself to more success, you absolutely have to be paying attention and recognizing the patterns that are happening, the trends in your industry, and the changes that are going on. So how do you show up every day in your career, whether you have a job or you're a solopreneur or you're a business leader, how do you show up? Whether you head a big team or it's just you, the paradox of potential is all based around the fact that we all know the things we should be doing. Everything I just rattled off about what I think a leader is, I mean, there was nothing revolutionary there. I mean, some of you may have nodded. I may have said something that resonated, but I mean, there was nothing there that we're going to write a book about that hasn't been written already. So potential doesn't equal results. And yet we get so caught up in potential. We think potential really matters, much like we think being busy really matters. But that's where the paradox lies, is having potential doesn't mean you're going to be successful. There are a lot of people out there who have a lot of potential. I've met a lot of people who have degrees from top top schools who they're smart and they're thought leaders and they suck at what they do because they're not making the right choices. They're not leading themselves forward. They're waiting. They're, they're confused. They're stuck. So just because they have potential doesn't mean that they're going to succeed. And let's face it, you know, potential isn't results and results are what matters in our careers. Now, I also think that leaders have to lead by example. So the other day when I was in Costa Rica, we signed up to go for a hike at the hotel and they took a whole bunch of people on, I don't know, one or two mile hike, it wasn't long, to the top of a mountain to watch the sunset. And there was probably about 20 people who had signed up to go for this hike and we hiked up the hill and I did what I do in any group of people where I don't know anybody. I made small talk with people and the other couple who we were with on the trip, she also was a speaker in the business world and we started talking to this gentleman who was a manager in a company, it was a Canadian company, and they make bearings for industry. So anything with large moving parts needs bearings. And they made massive bearings for all types of different industries. And he managed a large team who would be like line factory employees. We started talking about what it meant to be a leader and, and how did he grow up in his company and what, you know, what made him a success as a leader. And one of the things he said was that if somebody on his team calls in sick, instead of letting that assembly line work with one less person, He's willing to cancel his meetings and what he's doing as a manager and jump in and work on the line. And he said that other people who were in management were like, <clears throat> excuse me, but we're in management. We don't roll up our sleeves and work on the assembly line. And he said, you can't lead people if you're not willing to lead by example. If he wants other people on his team to roll up their sleeves and pick up the slack when there is slack – then he needs to do the same thing. And he likes working side by side with the people on his team. And as it turns out, the people on his team are willing to work harder and be more effective because he's right there with them. And other people on his team now realize what he's done as the years have gone by and why he's such a successful manager is he leads by example 
and he's willing to serve. And that's another thing that leaders do. Leaders aren't about, here, I get all the credit. Leaders are there to serve. Now, every organization has people in it who have more potential. If you work with people, you could probably walk around your office secretly behind everybody's back and say, that one, that one, and that one. They all have so much more potential than what they're achieving. Well, why is that? Now, we also can't get caught up that this label of potential really matters, right? Because companies have been labeling high potential employees for decades. Now, many of those people who get labeled as high potential never achieve the top levels of success. Plus, the people who don't get labeled into the high potential programs, some of them actually succeed and become major leaders in their industry. Well, that's because success isn't fixed. It's not static. I'm sorry, potential isn't fixed and static. It changes. And that allows people to have success at different times along the way. So we can't get too caught up into this effect of labeling people as having potential and not having potential. But if you work with a group of people who you know aren't achieving everything that they can, what can you do today to sort of fix that? So if you and your team are not realizing potential, you know, you have to define what is it that we want to do. I think the time is now to start recognizing a direction that's going to bring you more results. So I did this a year ago. So really, it sort of began two years ago. But one of the things I did when I realized I was stuck in the high middle is I decided I was going to do something creative. I was going to write a one-man show. Now, I wanted to be an actor when I was a kid. I like performances. I like watching shows. Uh, I love the genre of the one-man or one-woman show. So I was going to write a one-man show. And the main character of that one-man show, it was my own childhood imaginary friend. And he was coming back and into my life, and he was kind of pissed that I hadn't lived up to all of my potential. And as I wrote the play, and as I developed it, I, I sent it to some friends. I actually sort of pseudo-performed it for some people and got some feedback. And what it did is it really brought into this forefront this clarity about what it was to be stuck in the high middle, what it was to have more potential and not be meeting results. Now, I've never finished writing the play, but not only did it develop this whole new series, this whole new paradox of potential that I'm doing inside companies and at meetings, but it also affected my own results. Because once I identified this fact that there was this paradox around potential, that I was stuck in the high middle, I started to see the patterns. I started to see uh, the paths on how I could navigate doing more, how I could achieve more. And 2017 was my biggest year I've ever had in eight years of running my own business. And it was a sizable increase. And people ask me, how did you do that? Well, I identified that everything fell into three buckets. What was holding me back and what was going to allow me to get out of the hole fell into three buckets. They fell into my plan. Did I have the right goals? Was I really clear about what I was trying to accomplish? You know, was I really crystally focused on what I was doing? So the plan became very important. The second bucket was purpose. Now, I always thought I knew why I was doing what I did, but I really had to get deeper. I had to sort of dissect my own personal why, my own personal ambition, everything around the purpose of why I was in the career I was doing. Why was I building this business and fighting the uphill battle stuck in the middle as I was when I could go get a corporate marketing job and make a decent salary and just go to work from nine to five instead of having to travel as much as I do? What was the purpose of me beating my head against the wall every single day trying to make my way to create this brand to be able to do this business? 
And I came to some personal realizations after I set up the goals of what I wanted to accomplish and really started realizing my purpose and why I was doing it. I came to some self-understanding, both good and bad, but it has led me to get rid of the BS that's going on around me because I know why I'm doing things. So therefore, if it doesn't contribute to the why, if it doesn't contribute to my purpose, then I'm able to say no to it. And then the final bucket was the people that I surrounded myself with. You can't do it alone. And I have a great mastermind group and then the the people who were in the, the potential mastermind project with me. But I also needed to go out and get a coach. I needed to find somebody who knew my industry, who knew people like me, who had been stuck in the high middle in the speaking business, who could help me clarify some things. Now, I haven't seen the results from hiring that coach yet because that's a, a new project for 2018. But I spent the whole year really getting around people who would help lead me to that right person. And so I did all of that stuff. Because here's the thing. You can plan all day long. You can look at your 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 plans, your purpose, your people. You can ask questions. You can figure out what you want to do. But there comes a point if you want to get out of the high middle, there comes a point where you have to jump. You have to take the leap. And that's what I've been helping other people do. But the problem was getting myself to do it. So I have, I figured it out. That's, that's what I've been doing. And, and I've been having the success and it's really exciting. And I'm changing up a little bit of, of the types of clients that I'm working with. And it's okay. I'm going to say goodbye to some uh, of the type of work I used to do. And you know what? That's totally fine because the time has come. I'm ready to take the leap. It's like when you, when you go to an amusement park and, and you decide to get on the, uh, the roller coaster, or I've never skydived, dove, but if you do that, there comes a point where you have to jump out of the plane. Or I don't know if you know what the uh, the sky jump is in Las Vegas, but it's at the Stratosphere Hotel, and it's on the 108th floor. And they actually, it's kind of like a bungee jump, but it's not a bungee. It's sort of a tension line. But you literally jump off the 108th floor of the Stratosphere Hotel, and you come down to the bottom, and then there's tension wires. So you sort of land like you just did a little jump. I mean, you land pretty softly. But you do the whole thing in like 20 seconds, the 108 stories, you fall. It's, it's basically a free fall and it's fast. And I did that a couple of years ago and, and I can remember standing up on the side of the building and holding on and they, they put you through a training, you watch a video, you're, they count to three, one, two, three, and you're supposed to do this beautiful swan dive off and the handler was up there with me and it's windy and it's nighttime and I have a GoPro strapped to my arm so that I can record this craziness and I'm up there and he goes, one, two, three, go and I don't move. After everything, after the, you know, going through the class and watching the video and paying the money and riding the elevator up to the 108th floor, he said, one, two, three, go. And I didn't do anything. I just stood there. And that was really a point where I realized that you have to leap. And I turned my head and on the video, it's hysterical because you see me look back and I go, say it again. I mean, just this fear in my voice. And he says, one, two, three, go. And I'd love to tell you it was a perfect swan dive. But instead, I sort of meandered off the edge. And I fell and I swear as I go down because it's scary. And yet all of a sudden I look and I go, this ain't so bad. It was fun. And then I landed totally safely on the ground the way it was supposed to work. But the same thing is true in your career. There comes a point where you have to take the leap. And sometimes you need that support person to say, one, two, three, go. And when you don't go, they need to say it again. And that's what I think the message of today's podcast is all about. If you're feeling like you're stuck in the high middle and you want to make some changes and you want to go farther and there is a gap between your potential and your results, you have to take the leap. So find a way to take that leap. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody really, really cool. 
But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.